going to be in Luke 2. If you turn to Luke 2, when I get to those scriptures, we'll get with them together. Let's just thank God for the word this morning. It's a special day to have Christmas on the Lord's Day. I can't think of anywhere else I'd rather be than in the house of God with my brothers and sisters. Amen. So the message I want to bring to you today has to do with the choices that we have during Christmas. The Christmas season is filled with all kinds of choices for both the believer and non-believer alike. It's our prayer that everyone would get to know the baby in the manger. Amen. Is that your hope today? That people would know the Jesus who was born? That's pretty quiet out there. It's okay to talk in church. Usually we have these choices to make and uh, there are many choices to make, and making choices are a double-edged sword. And you say, why? Why are they a double-edged sword? Because if we make good choices about the Christmas season, good things usually follow. If we make bad choices about the Christmas season, about the baby in the manger, often difficult things follow. If we decide to make no choice at all, we've made a choice. Realize we have to choose how we are going to respond to the Christ of Christmas. So the hope of this message is that even though it's Christmas Day, we're still in the Christmas season. The hope is that we would actively choose the kind of Christmas season that would glorify God, that would illuminate the fact that Jesus was born to save us from our sins. The choices that we make in the Christmas season will affect us all year long. So the hope of this message is that we would make the right choices. Let's look at some of the external choices we all have to make during the Christmas season. First, the choice is, who are we going to celebrate Christmas with? Are we going to go friends or family? Are we going to drive to grandma's house? Are we going to get together with all our in-laws and outlaws and crazy people? Come on, you know what I'm talking about. Don't try and look so holy in church. There's one at every Christmas table. Every family has an Uncle Eddie. If you don't know who it is in your family, it might be you. But who are we going to celebrate the season with? Whose house are we going to go to? You know, are we going to travel? Are we going to stay local? Multiplied millions of people are traveling. There's snowstorms and delays in airports and all kinds of adversity. And these are choices that people had to make. You know, in our house, it's always the big choice is what are we going to eat? And if you've ever seen the gluttonous celebration we have, you know that we probably eat everything. Kim's family and my family and whoever we're with, there's more planning and brainstorming and meal preparation and and, uh, what hors d'oeuvres, what appetizers, what main course. I'm serious. Our family seemed to put more effort into planning meals than the planning that went into D-Day. My mother-in-law starts a moratorium after Christmas and goes through everything and and she's trying to figure out what what the menu is going to be next year. Yeah, we're a little over the top. What are we going to eat? How, where are we going to eat? Uh, will we choose to go big on the gifts or to keep it simple? You know, that's a, that's a decision many families make. You know, maybe you've decided this year we're, we're going to go all out with the gifts. You know, we got a bunch of children. Maybe you're, everybody's getting older. We're going to keep it simple this year. Those are choices that we make, the, the, the choice to, you know, 
go to certain houses, eat certain food, how we're going to handle the gifts? Will we focus on the spiritual aspects of Christmas or the secular aspects of Christmas? You know, there's so many secular, traditional aspects of Christmas, and they're not necessarily bad. But if we, we have a choice to focus on one or the other, is it going to be about the baby in the manger? Or is it going to be about Santa Claus and Rudolph and Frosty and Ebenezer Scrooge? Don't raise your hand. This is not the altar call for Ebenezer Scrooge. You know, what would Christmas be without all the Christmas specials, without, you know, Frosty and the Grinch, A Wonderful Life? How about a Christmas story? That's become part of the Christmas tradition. There's some channels that play that thing nonstop, back-to-back, all the time. Are we going to focus on shopping and Christmas bonuses and office parties and friends and community and holiday celebrations. What's going to be the focus? Will it be primarily on Jesus or will it be on all the traditional things that our culture has gathered over the years? There are lots of choices we can make that have little or nothing to do with the Christ of Christmas. Not all of them are bad. You know, not all of them are wrong, but we've got to make Jesus the reason for the season. Understand making good choices about the Christmas season will bring joy and peace all throughout the year. Making wrong choices often leads people to be empty, to be disillusioned or depressed. You know, a lot of people are depressed at the holiday seasons. The most incredible time of the year where we celebrate the coming of the Messiah who saved us from our sins, and people are alone. Their families are broken. They're depressed. How many people spend themselves into a hole and they're broke? And New Year's comes and I owe, I owe. It's off to work, I go. Saint Visa card. Choices. If we want the spiritual truth that makes this time of year truly magical, and we want to enjoy the traditions at the same time without losing sight of the Christ for Christmas, we've got to make four wise choices about Christmas. Now, as I cover these with you today, I'm going to move through them quickly. Understand, these choices that if we make them here today on Christmas Day, they will last throughout the year. They'll set the trajectory of our year, and it's so important. The first wise choice we must make is this. We need to choose to make room for Jesus in our hearts. Now, in Luke 2, I, I told you to turn there. I'm going to read from some portions of Luke 2. Luke 2, 4 through 7, it says this. Now, Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the city of Nazareth to Judea, in the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and family of David, in order to register along with Mary, who was betrothed to him and was pregnant. While they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son, and she wrapped him in clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. Here's Joseph and Mary, and they're doing the very spiritual thing of gathering in a place to be counted for taxation. Think about that. God chooses to bring the gift of God, Jesus Christ, into the world during tax time. 
Could there any, be any more, you know, secular thing that they're doing? They're all gathered to this one place so they can be counted up, so they can be sure to pay their tax bill. Now, understand, this was a busy time in that city. It was not a spiritual thing, but it was obligatory. The hustle and bustle that was happening in Bethlehem was all about the Roman world and the, the system and the taxation. And because there was so much secular business to do in the world, all the inns were full and there was no room for Jesus. The point is this, the busyness of this world can suck away all the time and energy and place that we should have for Jesus in our hearts. Make room for him in your life. Don't be so busy with the things of the world. Well, I have bills and I have obligations and I, and I have things to do and I, and I have to. Yes, there are many things we have to do, but we have to make room in our hearts for Jesus. The busyness of the world, amen. Why was there no room in the inn? Because everybody was in town to be taxed. Why was there no room in the inn? Because the worldly things and the hustle and bustle had uh, filled up all the places that Jesus should have occupied, had, an ass, had a place to be, but they place him in a manger, an animal trough. No room in the inn. All day long, every day of the year, may there be vacancies in our heart for the things of God, for the things of the kingdom, for Jesus himself. Make room in your heart for him. Number two, choose to pursue him like the shepherds did. Listen to Luke 2, 15 and 16. When the angel had departed from them into heaven, the shepherds began saying to one another, let's go straight to Bethlehem then to see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they came in a hurry and found their way to Mary and Joseph and the baby as he lay in the manger. Now, in this point in pursuing like the shepherds did, I, I want you to examine how the shepherds responded. They're in the field, they're with their sheep, and angels show up. That's a big moment. And the angels sing, and the angels make the proclamation that the Messiah has come. Now, so many people in life admire Jesus. So many people in life reverence him as a spiritual figure. Uh, they believe he's who he said he was, but many people never find the time to pursue him. All year long, we should pursue Jesus, and we should pursue him like the shepherds did. I like the shepherd's pursuit. It's reflexive. It's immediate. It's enthusiastic. Look what they say. Let's go straight to Bethlehem. They don't say, Pastor Mike, well, it's break time. We're union shepherds. We got to take 15 minutes. Smoke if you got them. No, they say, let's go immediately to Bethlehem. Let's not take lunch. Let's not get, take care. Let's just go right now. There's an immediacy to their pursuit that speaks to us. We need to find God while he's near. Today is the day of salvation. T today is not the day to put things off and to say, you know... <laughs> Maybe later, maybe when we find time, maybe when we're off. No, it was an immediate pursuit, and that should speak volumes to us. There are so many people that spend their lives and their days chasing things other than Jesus and never find the time to go after him. Today's the day, an immediate pursuit. I like the shepherd's pursuit. It says in verse 16, and they came in a hurry. The, do you see the excitement there? Do you see the enthusiasm for the things of God? You know, you would say, well, if an angel showed up to me, I'd get excited too. 
Now, angels don't usually show up to us. God doesn't generally speak to us audibly, but all day long the Holy Spirit is drawing us and prodding us and calling us. And we need to get excited about the things of the kingdom and the king of the kingdom and that immediate response, let's go straight to Bethlehem. And they came in a hurry. Notice, because they came immediately, they actually found what they were looking for. You see, when we delay and we put things off and we say, someday I'll get to it. Someday I'll come to Jesus. Someday I'll serve God. Someday I'll, I'll, I'll be about kingdom things or I'll come to church. But today I'm going to do my thing. If we don't do it immediately, sometimes we miss what's there. They didn't miss what was happening because they, they pursued Jesus immediately and they came in a hurry. So in all the hurriness of life, let's remember to hurry, to make place for Jesus in our daily routine. Number three, the third choice of Christmas that'll last all year long is this. We choose to make room for him in our hearts. We choose to pursue him like the shepherds did. And we choose to let him save us from what afflicts us. Listen to Luke 10, Luke 2, 10 through 11. And so the angel said to him, do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy, which will be for all people. For today in the city of David, there has been born for you a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Say Savior. God sent us a Savior because that's what we needed. If we needed money, he would have sent us a banker. If we needed healing, he would have sent us a physician. If, if, if we needed political stability, he would send us a political leader. But no, what we really needed then and what we need now and what we need every day is a Savior to save us from our sin, to give us purpose and meaning in life, to give us hope of an eternity in heaven. We need a Savior. And so we need to choose to let Jesus save us. From what afflicts us, the wisest thing any of us could do this Christmas season is to let Jesus save us. All of us need a Savior. Oh, I'll work it out myself, Pastor. I'll, I got myself into this mess. I'll get myself out. I'll, I'll sin less. I'll try harder. I'll, I'll clean my act up. It'll never happen. None of us can do it. If we could have, God never would have sent his only begotten son. He sent a Savior because that's exactly what we needed. There's a story of a car that was stolen in California. This must be an old story because that's not really big news now. A car was stolen in California and law enforcement launched an intense search to find the vehicle and they, the driver and the law enforcement all together, they're scrambling to find this vehicle for a very interesting reason. On the front seat of the stolen car was a box of crackers that was laced with rat poison. The owner of the car was dealing with an infestation problem and his car was stolen while he was taking care of it. In desperation to avoid unnecessary loss of life, the police blanketed the local TV and radio with ads on the station pleading for the thief to contact them. Both law enforcement and the owner of the vehicle were more interested in saving lives than catching the thief and restoring the car. This is exactly what it's like when we run away from God 
and refuse to let him apprehend us, refuse to let him save us, refuse the free gift of salvation. He's trying to help us and we're running away from him. We think we're avoiding punishment or condemnation when we're actually eluding our own rescue. Don't run from the Savior. Don't run from Jesus. Let him save you. Let him save your soul with the free gift of salvation. There's a heaven to be gained and a hell to be avoided, and it's all a matter of choice. Let him save you from all the things that haunt you from your past. Do you relive the past? Do you re rehearse the past in your head? Are you fixated on people who hurt you in the past, on events of the past? Jesus can save you from your past. Let him save you from weakness and addiction. All of us have weaknesses. All of us can get addicted to things. We need to confess and come to the one who can save us from what we're addicted to, that can save us from our own weaknesses. Let him save you from family dysfunction and generational curses. Let him save you from fear, the fear of lack, the fear of failure, the fear of the future. Let him save you today from disappointment, from regret, and from shame. He will save you from all those things. And the breakthrough is just a prayer away. Number four, and I close with this. Now, you know when a preacher says he's closing, it could be an hour or two. But choose to keep seeking him like the wise men did. You know, many of us buy those little manger scenes and we get the animals and we get the manger in Jesus and then we have the three wise men there. How many have manger scenes in their home like that? Or, you know, and it's a, the Italians, we call it the three wise guys. They, they showed up. Right, the three wise guys are there. But the truth is that <laughs> historically, you know, he was probably in a cave, not a manger, and the wise men didn't show up to a few years later. They were seeking him through, you know, their own wisdom and intellect of astrology and the stars and watching these things. And they sought him by, look what it says here in Matthew 2, 1 through 2. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem, notice that after Jesus was born of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, magi, those are the wise guys, from the east, they arrived in Jerusalem saying, where is he who was born the king of the Jews? For we saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. Here are these men that take a long journey, a long pursuit. Listen, there was no flights uh, to be had. There was no train or Amtrak or, you know, you, you had to load up your family camel and you had to get on the dirt, dangerous road, and you had to travel uh, from place to place, and it was long and it was arduous. Think about what these magi went through just to pursue Jesus, just to seek the one who was born. People say things like, you know, well, you know, who are these guys, these wise guys, and where do they come from? And there's all kinds of debate about those things. You know, why did they find Jesus? Why did they see the star? Why did they know something was going on? And I want to give you the simplest explanation. The reason they knew and they saw and they journeyed is because they were looking. They were looking for the star. They were looking for the coming of Messiah. They were looking for the king of the Jews. 
And because they were looking for him, they noticed the signs and they followed the star and they pursued him to the point where they were able to visit him and bring him gifts. Now understand, there's people in every generation, they say that God's not doing anything. Church is just a waste of time. All this stuff in the Bible, it, you know, God said this is going to happen and that's going to happen and it hasn't happened yet. And there's people who say God's not doing anything. And to them I say, you're not looking close enough. There are people who say there, there's nothing happened spiritually. You know, the church is this and the church is that. And, you know, it's not even worth our time. And listen, I say to them, you're not looking carefully enough. The Magi were seeking him. They were looking for the signs. They didn't miss the signs of his coming. And, and people say there's nothing going on. But I found out that that's never true. God is always doing something. God is always on the move, amen. God is always changing lives one life at a time. God is always setting captives free and breaking chains. Our God still heals the sick. He still sets the captive free. He still breaks the chains of addiction. Are we looking for him? Are we seeking him? The reason that it seems to so many that God's not doing anything is because they've stopped looking. These guys came on a long, arduous journey, a dangerous journey, and look for the reason of the coming. They came to worship him. What a beautiful reason to seek him. You and I should seek Jesus not to get anything from him, not to gain spiritual knowledge, not to be more spiritual than others. We should seek him with all our hearts to worship him. If we'll worship Jesus every day of the year, if we'll come to him and let him save us from what afflicts us, if we'll uh, pursue him like the shepherds did and have a sense of immediacy about the things of the kingdom of God, if we choose to make room for him in our hearts every day of the year, the spirit and the magic of Christmas will last all year long. Those who are participating in the dance should get ready now in just a little bit. We're going to have a dance that celebrates the coming of Jesus. Before we do, I want to give you an opportunity, if you're here today, uh, to meet this Christ of Christmas. You see, that baby in a manger didn't stay in a manger. He grew up to be a man. And at the age of 30, he began his public ministry, and he did signs and wonders and miracles. He was crucified on the cross, but the cross couldn't hold him. He was placed in a tomb, but the tomb couldn't hold him. And on the third day, he rose from the dead, amen, and he's alive. We serve a living God. We serve a living God. He's not the great I was. He's not the great has been. He's the great I am. This morning, we celebrate the coming of the Lord, but really, his coming is only maximized in the lives of individuals by accepting him personally. So if we could bow our heads this morning and close our eyes and just allow the Holy Spirit to take an inventory of our souls, I want to give you an opportunity to invite the Christ of Christmas into your heart. The Bible says that if we confess with our, if we confess with our mouths and believe in our hearts that God raised Jesus from the dead, we would be saved. You see, all of us are sinners. That's why God sent a Savior. When we accept him personally, 
and what he did on the cross personally as the payment for our sins. He forgives us. He fills us with his Holy Spirit. He settles our eternity. The Bible says that our names are written down in the Lamb's book of life. We're not saved by our good works or our good deeds or by being a little better than the people around us. We're saved by the blood of Jesus who died on that cross for us. And all of that started with a baby in a manger. Today, if you'd like a clean slate and a fresh start, if you'd like your eternity settled, that you know when you die, you'll go to heaven, not because of your good works, because of what Jesus did, I want to give you an opportunity to accept Jesus as Savior and Lord. If you're here this morning and on Christmas Day, you want to invite Jesus to be the Lord of your life, I simply want you to lift up your hand. How many people say today, I would like Jesus to be the Lord of my life? I don't know how we can see him here. We can get a little more light. This is the most important part. Ushers, can you see what's... This morning, let's pray a prayer together that would honor that baby who grew up to be a man who hung on the cross and rose from the dead. Say, Lord Jesus, I recognize you're the Messiah and that you came for sinners. I confess I'm a sinner and I need a Savior. And I ask you to meet my Savior. I receive you as Lord. And from this moment forward, I'm yours. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, a simple little prayer like that can change the trajectory of your life. And if you prayed that prayer this morning, welcome to the family of God. Amen. I want to encourage you to keep coming to church, to keep... Uh, in the word, to get around people who know Jesus and let your faith grow. Amen. Uh, this morning, uh, we are going to have a dance to just seal this message and seal this day. And uh, I hope you enjoy it this morning. I know that uh, it's going to give glory to the Lord. The ushers are waiting in the wings to tackle me and take the pulpit away. So we're going to let them do that.